From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Wow, already close to the end of 2014. Yes, November 2nd edition. November 2 of 2014 and I'm Graham VK4BB with the WIA National News and listen before you transmit. A gentle nudge that nobody owns frequencies. Just because we transmit this news service on a particular channel does not mean we are the only ones able to use it. So no matter what you're going to transmit, listen. If in use, ask those operators if it would be okay to take over the frequency. And if the others are unable to move, then you should say thanks and move to a close spare channel. VK1 WIA, all local news. We go around VK in 80 seconds. TARC does the TCC International Men's Day Employee Expo. Members from the VK4 Townsville Amateur Radio Club will be putting on a portable display of amateur radio by invitation of the Townsville City Council for the TCC International Men's Day Employee Expo being held in conjunction with Crocs Basketball Training at the RSL Stadium Murray Sporting Complex Wednesday, November 12. Display coordinator Richard, Victor Kilo 4, Fox Romeo, Juliet Golf, says the battery-powered display will be exhibiting from 7am until 2pm. In VK6, a club shack contents have been stolen. A burglary has occurred at the club rooms of the Hills Amateur Radio Group VK6 AHR on the corner of Brady and Sanderson's Roads in Les Murdy. Past President Martin VK6ZMS reports that the theft has resulted in the loss of transceivers, a linear, tuner and interface. These are a Yaesu FT1000MP, an ICOM IC7400, a Motorola GM338, an Amatron AL811 amplifier, a Palstar tuner and a Digimaster interface. The serial numbers for each are in the text edition of this WIA National News Broadcast. In VK5, a reminder that the Welcome to Amateur Radio Symposium, sponsored by the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society, is to be held on Sunday the 23rd of November at the Blackwood Community Centre in Young Street, Blackwood. The purpose of the day is to discuss a number of aspects of the hobby of amateur radio. Doors to the venue will open at 8.30am. The day's proceedings will commence at 8.45am with a welcome by Tony, VK5KAT, the President of the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. After a brief introduction, there will be 16 20-minute presentations on a variety of topics including ham jargon, the DX cluster, APRS, antenna basics, electronic logging programs, operating QRP, demystifying the learning of Morse code, and many others. This will be followed by a general question session. The day will conclude at about 4pm. The cost is just $5, which will include morning tea, lunch consisting of sandwich platters and pizza, and afternoon tea. The day is designed for new and old alike. At this stage, attendees range from very new foundation members to some very senior hams. Please RSVP to Paul, VK5, Papa Alpha Sierra, by no later than Monday the 17th of November 2014, so that suitable catering can be arranged. 
RSVP either via email to simmopa at iprimus.com.au or by text message to mobile 0410-687-998. Again, the date is Sunday the 23rd of November 2014 with doors opening at 8.30am for a commencement at 8.45am sharp. And please, don't forget to RSVP by no later than Monday the 17th of November. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul, VK5PAS, on behalf of the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In northwestern Tasmania, it can be heard on VK7RMD, the Mount Duncan Repeater, on 146625 at 9am Sundays and 9pm Tuesdays. I'm Winston, VK7EM. Commemorating Anzac 100, a series of articles is appearing in Amateur Radio magazine, and here's a summary of yet another one of them, Whales at War, by Jennifer Wardrop, VK5ANW, VK3WQ, Alara Historian. Perhaps the earliest suggestion that women should be encouraged to be involved in defence-related wartime communication activities comes from a Wireless World article of August 1915 entitled Wireless Telegraphy and the Fair Sex. By early 1917, cooks and waitresses from England crossed the Channel to France to help the Queen Mary Arms Auxiliary Corps, and by 1918, some 57,000 women had joined the Corps. Information about this was sent to Australia, and although many women wanted to go and help in whatever capacity, they were denied passports. Their frustration resulted in the formation of the Australian Women's Service Corps. At the start of the Second World War, things were not much better here. But when the Centre for the Australian National Service, WANS, opened in July 1940 by Lady Wakehurst, 4,431 members joined immediately. The question of admitting women to the services was still being ignored in October 41. Research has not found any Australian lady amateur operators involved in the First World War, but there were certainly some in the Second. The article by the Alara Historian has details many of these involved. Jennifer Wardrop, VK5ANWVK3WQ, wants to hear of any other whales in wartime activities. She wants to know if any were involved in code-breaking in Australia. The first intake of the Australian Women's Army Service personnel into the Australian Special Wireless Group is told in the book No Medals in This Unit by Jean Hillier. They trained at the Signals Training Camp at Bongilla in Victoria, near the border with New South Wales. Apart from the normal telegraphist training, they had to learn the 70 characters of the Japanese Morse code, known as Kana, and their activities remained top secret for many, many years. Wales at War is well worth a read in Amateur Radio magazine. What use is an F-call? For most of us, Amateur Radio is a hobby. It might not be your only one, but if your time allocation is anything like mine, this one seems to grow in its scope and reach every day. During the week I was talking to a friend who had no idea about amateur radio, no notion other than, isn't that the ham radio thing that did Morse and has been superseded by the internet? She asked. 
It was a very loaded question, but I pointed at recent natural disasters where radio amateurs acted as the local backbone, the glue that makes it possible for information to travel great distances when all other services are gone. No roads, no phones, no nothing. Of course, as an amateur, you already know this, but it seems that the general public has no idea whatsoever. I pointed out that even the most basic license helps me understand antennas. Know when a TV antenna is pointing in the wrong direction and why. Know how to make an indoor Wi-Fi connection work better. And best of all, it keeps challenging me into learning new things. I mentioned that for a radio connection to work, two devices are required. My radio and their radio. Compare and contrast this with an internet connection or a mobile phone connection, which requires many different devices, all of which must work. I'm sure I've talked about this phenomenon before, but somehow every time I bump into someone who doesn't know about amateur radio, I get surprised all over again. What kind of things take you by surprise? I'm Ono, VK6FLAB. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, IRRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Ham Radio in West Bengal. Z News reports that members of the West Bengal Amateur Radio Club recently met Bengal Governor K.N. Tripathi to make headway into the process of popularising the concept among the youth. Amma Barish Nagbiswas, Victor Uniform 2 Mike Quebec Tango, is interviewed. The basic equipment is very simple, inexpensive and user-friendly. The process is easy to understand for children too, he said, adding the focus is to introduce it in the school curriculum in West Bengal. To Ireland, Dave Echo India 3 India Oscar, representing IARU Region 1, presented a 70 MHz proposal at the recent meeting in France of SEP's European Communications Committee Frequency Management Working Group. The proposal received the support of more than 10 SEPT administrations and was adopted. This excellent outcome does not necessarily mean that frequencies between 69.9 and 70.5 MHz will be immediately available in all SEPT countries, but it does, however, provide a clear basis for IARU member societies to seek a 4 metre allocation from their national licensing authority. This is another excellent example of what can be achieved by amateurs working together within the International Amateur Radio Union. UK Students CubeSat Project. The Coventry Telegraph newspaper reports on students at Warwick University who were building their own satellite, WUSAT2. Lucy Lynch writes that eight engineering students are designing their own satellite, which will be sent into space in February or in March 2015. They and the project director, Dr Bill Crofts, will don winter woolies and take their creation to a launch site in northern Sweden, near the town of Kiruna. It is the second student satellite designed at the university. The first one, last year, was sent up from mid-Wales in a high-altitude weather balloon. 
Shortwave's newest broadcaster, Global 24 Radio. There is a new shortwave radio broadcaster on the block, Global 24 Radio, an around-the-clock fixed-frequency commercial shortwave radio broadcaster transmitting via WRMI. The new Global 24 began broadcasting on Friday, October 31 at 1900 EDT, 0000 UTC, November 1st on 9395 kHz. Ham's to be among volunteers on the lookout for criminal activity in Manila. Ham radio operators will soon be among several groups of volunteer radio operators on the lookout for criminal activities in the city of Manila in the Philippines. Amateur Radio Newsline's Jim Meachin, ZL2 Bravo Hotel Fox, has details. The Department of Interior and Local Government has requested that volunteers from a number of communications groups use their radios to report from areas subject to a high incidence of theft and robberies. Interior Secretary Manuel Rojas II and the National Capital Region Police Chief recently met with various communications groups as part of an anti-criminal activity campaign. This included representatives from the Philippine Amateur Radio Association, React Philippines and several other volunteer radio communication organisations. Discussions centred on areas where the radio-equipped volunteer observers would be deployed as well as their responsibilities. Responsibilities. For them to be easily recognised by those in need of assistance, the radio-equipped volunteers will wear red berets and red vests. On observing criminal activities or receiving a complaint, the radio operator would notify one of a number of command centres. The command centres will in turn relay the complaints to the police stations for officers to be dispatched. The Department of Interior and Local Government and the radio communications groups will sign the Memorandum of Agreement in November. Rojas acknowledged that the collaboration was prompted by the lack of police deployed to patrol in high crime areas. He added that if this pilot project is successful in the metro Manila area, it would also be expanded to other geographic regions. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF in Nelson, New Zealand. The RAF Amateur Radio Society, G8FC, is sending an expedition to the Falkland Islands and will be operating from the Joint Services Welfare Facility Amateur Radio Station using the SES calls GP8RAF-100 and GP8, uh, sorry, VP8FIR-100. This is to coincide with the 100th anniversary of the Battle of Falklands in World War I on the 8th of December. The station should be active from the 5th to the 9th of December and other VP8 stations should also be active during this period, including VP8LP-100. All VP8 stations will be able to use the suffix stroke 100 between the 1st of November and the 15th of December 2014. The ARRL has announced that the operation of E30 Fox Bravo from Eritrea, sponsored by the Foundation for Global Children that took place from the 17th to the 22nd of September, has been approved for DXCC credit. A new pact will permit cross-border handheld radio communications between the United States and Canada, between those involved in public safety issues in both nations. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler and Industry Canada Senior Assistant Deputy Minister Kelly Gillis 
have signed an agreement allowing public safety officials who cross the U.S. and Canada border to use their handheld radios in either country. The agreement, called a statement of intent between the FCC and Industry Canada, expands roaming privileges originally granted to public safety officials in a 1952 treaty. The big difference here is that the new statement of intent allows public safety officials to operate handheld radios in the other country, whereas the 1952 agreement only contemplated the cross-border operation of radios installed in public safety vehicles. The statement of intent also eliminates the need for the host country to issue permits to public safety officials crossing the border, provided the radios used by such officials are licensed in their original country of origin. Those stories from the Amateur Radio Newsline and the RSGB. The MP3s you can find on the web at the link on www.rsgb.org. I'm Jeremy Boots, G4NJH, and you're tuned to VK1WIA. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Operational news with special event stations and DX advice. I'm Felix, VK4FUQ. LI for LA and LJ for LB. Celebrates 200 years of the Norwegian Constitution during 2014. In addition, special event station LM1814 will be active as part of the celebration until December 31. 7P8NH. G3RWF is heading back to Southern Africa for a five-week holiday. He will begin operation in Sotho as 7P8NH between December 11th through to the 14th. Listen for him on the higher bands on CW only. QSL via G3RWF. EI1100WD. Ireland's oldest city, Waterford, is this year celebrating its 1,100th birthday. In line with the many festivities and events to celebrate the anniversary, the South Eastern Amateur Group is currently activating the special event call sign EI1100WD until the end of the year from various locations. Activity has been on various bands and modes, mainly HF. Many pile-ups have been worked by members using the special call. If you wish to get EI1100WD in the log, activation details will be posted on www.searg.com. E6XG JA1XGI has announced his next operation will be from Newey between December the 1st and the 6th and is expected to be issued the call sign E6XG. Activity will be on 160 through 10 metres, CWSSB and some digital. QSL virus home call sign JA1XGI, either direct or by the Bureau. Bosnia-Herzegovina, E72. Special event station E72 NATO is active until the end of next month and commemorates the cooperation of NATO and Bosnia-Herzegovina. That was established in 2006. QSL via E73Y. HS50REST, special event call sign. Radio Amateur Society of Thailand, REST, has been issued with the special call sign HS50REST, which celebrates the 50th anniversary of REST and can be used until the end of next month, December 2014. Guatemala. V7BV will once again be active stroke TG9 from Guatemala 
between January the 22nd and February the 17th of 2015 on 20, 17 and 15 metres CW and SSB. QSL virus home calls line, which again is V7BV, direct by the Bureau or electronically using logbook of the world. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Inningham. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In VK6, it can be heard on the linked repeater network originating from VK6 RAP at 9am Sunday morning. I'm Chris, Victor Kilo 6, Fox Charlie, Bravo, Golf. I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news, beginning with CW Operating. The South African Radio League say a detailed report-backed document from the IARU Region 1 conference is in the final stages of preparation and will soon be available for download from a link on the SARL website. During the conference, many aspects of day-to-day amateur radio operations were discussed and decisions agreed on. One of the discussions concerned CW operating. An established CW operation practice is included in the publication Ethics and Procedure for Radio Amateurs, written by ON4UN and ON4WW. The use of K and AR at the end of transmission is often used incorrectly. The correct procedure is as follows. K is an invitation to transmit at the end of a transmission. A station ending a transmission with AR is not inviting callers. It signifies the end of a transmission. K is also the most common used ending of a general CQ call. KN is used when sending it over to the station you're in QSO with and you do not want another station to join the QSO. SK is used to end a contact or QSO when one or both stations will remain on the frequency for any other calls. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier, Lituanica Sat 2, is announced. The Lituanica Sat team has announced on Facebook that Lituanica Sat 2 CubeSat will be coming in 2016. It is hoped the CubeSat will be among 50 satellites launched in the first quarter of 2016 on the Ukrainian Cyclone 4 launcher from the Alcantara launch site built by Ukraine and Brazil. The new launch site is located near the Atlantic coast of Brazil, just 2.3 degrees south of the equator. Lituanica Sat 2 will be more complex than the first and will test a new propulsion system which will enable it to change orbit. Currently, CubeSats deployed in very low Earth orbit may only last three months before burning up in the Earth's atmosphere. The propulsion system could extend that to up to 18 months. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. 15-year-old radio ham helps save the day. The Hindu Times is reporting on how 15-year-old VU3TMO Tom Jose travelled to the cyclone-hit city and used his amateur radio skills to contribute to disaster management. The 15-year-old student of Little Flower Junior College, Uppal, volunteered for the task. Tom was stationed in the control room set up at the police commissionerate and spent long hours collecting messages from other team members spread over the cyclone-affected areas and passed them on to the administration for relief measures. The intermediate first-year student who got his ham licence at the age of 13, along with colleagues, operated under adverse conditions, often skipping meals and spending long hours before the radio, waiting for it to crackle with messages. 
Special interest groups, VHF and above. Next Sunday morning, the 9th of November from 9am, VK3 microwave operators and people interested in higher frequency operation will gather at the Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club rooms in Burwood to tinker, play, demonstrate, optimise and explore the higher frequency bands as a warm-up for the upcoming Spring VHF UHF Field Day Contest. Lots of people will be on hand with experience on microwave bands and methods required to get onto these bands. They'll have a test bench set up with some gear to help troubleshoot that piece of equipment, get along and show off some of your own microwave gear. Bring along an item to test or operate or just come along and have a look at the interesting aspects of the hobby and see what's required to start out on these higher frequency bands. Andrew, VK3BQ, says they'll aim to have some testing and operation on the 3.4 gigahertz band, but... Any higher frequency gear is welcome and stations will be set up and in operation from 1.2 to 47 gigahertz and beyond. The barbecue will be going for a sausage lunch, the drinks fridge will be primed and everyone is welcome. Now finally this week in special interest group news, it's to our man in the west, then back to Graham to wrap up this edition. I'm Brian, VK3GR. Hello everyone, this is Clive, VK6 Charlie Sierra Whiskey, reminding you that tomorrow is the first Monday of the month. Time for the Radio Amateurs Old Timers Club of Australia's November Bulletin to go to air. This month, in addition to the usual club news, we tell the story of how a wireless message from an Australian submarine played a vital part at Gallipoli in the First World War. There are many ways to hear the bulletin. The principal HF transmissions are on 20 metres on 14.150 MHz upper sideband. The first, at 0100 UTC is beamed at north from Melbourne for Eastern State listeners, while the second, an hour later at 0200 UTC, also on 14.150 MHz, is beamed westward for WA. Also at 0200 UTC, Barry, VK6 Whiskey Foxtrot, will be transmitting on 40 metres on 7060 kHz lower sideband from Kellerberrin to the east of Perth. Additionally, Numerous local HF, VHF and UHF transmissions take place during the day. Times and frequencies for your local area can be found by visiting the RAOTC website at www.raotc.org.au Once again, www.raotc.org.au From Tuesday... The bulletin can be downloaded as an audio file from the RAOTC website. Everyone, RAOTC members and non-members alike, is most welcome to tune in and we do value your callbacks afterwards. So once again, the November RAOTC bulletin can be heard tomorrow, Monday, November the 3rd. 7-3 from Clive, VK6CSW. As time goes by, VK4BB rewinds to Ham Radio's halcyon days. A rewinding we go, in fact, a double rewind this week. It was 80 years ago that Albury and Morse Code figured in the transatlantic adventure of the aircraft Uber that almost ended in a disaster. It was the night of October 24, 1934, that a disorientated Dutch plane in the McRobertson International Air Race, London to Melbourne, was saved during a storm. 
The town's lighting system spelt out the word Albury in Morse code. The plane had lost communications and in the pitch-black night trying to get its bearings was low on fuel, but with 80 cars with their headlights on lining the Albury race course, at 1.20am the Uber began an approach to land short of the inner fence. The crew of four and three passengers walked away unharmed. The aircraft refuelled and, as daylight broke, the eight-ton Douglas DC-2 was found to be deeply bogged. But the mayor and 300 other Albury people dug it free. The big aircraft, able to take off from the sodden track, reached Melbourne to be placed second outright and winner of the Handicap Prize. This week marks a very important milestone in global communications. The first direct two-way radio communication from Australia to the USA occurred 90 years ago on November 3rd, 1924. Max Howden, A3BQ, contacted a Mr Williams U6AHP of California using wireless telegraphy. A3BQ used a wavelength of about 83 metres, running 130 watts into a single Z4 valve transmitter at his home in the eastern Melbourne Australian suburb of Box Hill. The antenna consisted of six wires, 65 foot long and 80 foot above ground. Nine days later, on the 12th of November 24, Max Howden achieved the first Australia to Great Britain two-way wireless telegraphy contact with G2OD in England. The testing continued and another breakthrough came on the 10th of February 1925 when A3BQ made the first two-way radio telephony or voice communication with G2OD in England. Another world first. And with that rewind, we thank Andrew VK3BQ, the current holder and proud holder of a very important call sign in Australian ham radio history. Well, that takes us to the end of WIA National News. Just time to say... Walk softly. I'm Graham VK for BB. From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24 7 at wia.org.au.